The Local Youth Worker is a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. Since 1972, RYM has sought to reach and equip youth for Christ. And this podcast seeks to reach and equip those parents and youth workers who share that same desire. For more information on our student conferences, youth leader training, or resources, visit rym.org. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Local Youth Worker, a podcast brought to you by Reformed Youth Ministries. I'm your host, John Parrott. Uh, this is episode 371, and I'm here with Kurt Cooper. Kurt, how's it going? It's going great. I was thinking of ways to ruin this recording right now, but you're doing such a good job, I'm not going to. I could tell. I can always, I mean, that's something I've shared before, but as I'm sitting here recording this, I'm, I'm seeing the smirk on your face and I'm just thinking, okay, well, what is Kurt plotting? Um, <laughs> so I can tell you're up to something. Um, well, thanks for not, not ruining um, that eloquent <laughs> intro there. Um, Kurt, uh, we're about to get into our conversation about missions. Um, uh, well, why don't you, I know this, this summer we've talked a lot about ministry pro tips, um, as you think about like a pro tip for a mission trip, uh, is there anything that comes to mind? I mean, you've gone on a lot of mission trips. I know this one that we're going to talk about today, you said you've been six times, um, but you've done other mission trips. Anything that comes to mind that's just kind of a, here's a pro tip for other youth workers out there as they plan to take their uh, group on a mission trip. Oh man. I, um, don't be afraid to pack more than you need personally. Uh, you're you're gonna have people with you who forget things hmm. and it's easier to help, you know, it's always easier to help someone when you yourself are competent. <laughs> it's harder to help someone out of a lack than, so try to remember to take care of your, you know, they tell you when you fly to put your oxygen mask on before you help others put theirs on. Um, so don't be afraid to take, I've, this is a mistake. I'm telling you from my mistakes that I've made, but don't be afraid um, to take more than you need for yourself because people might need something. Um, they might need, uh, you know, band-aids or uh, a water bottle or, uh, you know, who, who knows? So, uh, so don't Try, try to, you can't, you're not going to be completely prepared at all times, but make sure that you yourself are taken care of so that you're able to help others. Uh, I think a, that would be pretty important for any youth trip missions or not. Yeah, no, that, that's a good pro tip. And, and so Kurt, I mean, do you, uh, do you end up bringing like an entire, you know, separate bag with like, you know, first aid stuff as well as extra clothes, water bottles, things like that, just to help out with, with students? Yeah, well, um, I do this for RYM, but lo lots of times I'll have a separate suitcase that has like the cards for the game and the games and the song books and uh, the first aid kit and the things that are not my personal stuff that we need for the group um, that people might possibly need. So, yeah. And then I have a separate suitcase, which is my suitcase, which has the stuff that Kurt's going to need. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um uh, yeah, I've got lots of like travel tips um, for <laughs> that. That could be a whole thing uh, of different things that youth ministers need to watch out for. Some of them, I don't even know if we can talk about them on here, but <laughs> yeah, there, there are a lot of them. So no, that, that's that's a good pro tip. And uh, I think you might be right. We might need to have an entire um, segment devoted to that. So we'll see if we revisit that. 
Um, I do want to tell our, our listeners, uh, this is episode 371, as I said. Um, last week, uh, there was some were some issues with episode 370. Um, for a while, it wasn't showing up in most podcast uh, feeds. Um, it was on Podbean, but Stitcher, Apple, other places did not have it for some reason. Um, so apologies if you did not get that. I think it's resolved. Um, and, you know, it's just weird. Sometimes uh, it doesn't appear to be on our end at all. It's uh, somehow just not getting picked up. So anyway, apologies if you missed that. It was a good conversation with Robert Rose. So I'd encourage people to try to go find it if you can. Um, as I said, we're about to get into a conversation with Kurt about missions and I do want to remind our listeners about um, the track series by RYM. Uh, we released three new titles, and one of them is on missions uh, by Emilio Garofalo. Uh, it's an excellent uh, resource. I'd, I'd love to point people to. Uh, we also have two more in that series, one on uh, womanhood and one on worldview. Um, so be sure to pick those up. Those were released in July. Uh, you can get those at uh, Amazon. I think they're three ninety nine. Uh, so they're short booklets. If you're unfamiliar with our track series, uh, you can read these alongside students, or just since they're written for teenagers, you can just put them in their hands, and they can use those just as a devotional resource. Uh, whatever it's uh, can be used in a lot of different ways. So I want to encourage people uh, to pick those up. Uh, but for now, uh, here is my conversation with Kurt talking more about missions. Kurt, how's it going? It's going good, John. Good to see you. Uh, do you like this intro better than the last one we just recorded and deleted? Yeah, never, I just like it that you're dressed up. Since we're talking about missions, you dressed up in a loincloth. So, <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's been a while since I've really listened to this thing out. Bit. <laughs> you know, it's funny as you you point out uh, my attire. It is we're kind of wearing the same shirt. I know different color, but striped shirt polo. <laughs> horizontal stripes <laughs> what uh, are the chances <laughs> this is off to a great start if you wore uh, a vertically striped polo i don't know what to tell you but i don't think we could be friends uh, <laughs> i don't yeah. think it would be it would, the whole podcast would be off this guy in vertical stripes was he trying to be the yankees <laughs> Um, so Kurt, you know, I think about, yeah, there, there's no telling how many times you've been on the podcast. It's, it's been a lot. Um, but I just, many people wondered... are saying, many people are saying too many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always wonder about like, what about the, the person that's tuning in for the very first time and they mm. don't know you, you know, it's like, is there a, should we introduce you every time or should we just say, go back and check out some other episodes and people, um, <laughs> can find out where you're serving and all that kind of stuff or do you think it's important to well get, i can repeat i can repeat very quickly that i am uh, a minister at trinity presbyterian church in montgomery alabama and i've been here 10 years and i'm married and i have two sons uh, who are about to start school tomorrow and uh not for the first time one in fourth grade one in k4 and yeah and I've been doing the youth ministry here at Trinity for quite a while. So. Yeah. And then before that in Tupelo, Mississippi. That's um, right. Yep. Uh, and, so Kurt, and I'm like, as far as RYM is concerned, 
I like to say I'm kind of like Charles Barkley without any of the accolades, which is I just get to say stuff and I don't get in trouble for it. And other people do. So <laughs> people ask, well, how come Kirk gets to say that? And I don't know why I just get to. So that's part of my it's part of my charm. <laughs> so, look, I'm, I'm ignorant about Charles Barkley. What, what, what was the correlation there? Uh, well, Charles Barkley just gets to say whatever he wants and he just gets to say what he thinks without any repercussions. He's uncancelable. And I, I've been told that I'm kind of like that as far as RYM is concerned, that I just get to just, you know, throw out wildly hot takes and people just be like, well, that's what he gets to say. Um, so I was about to ask, I mean, has he had some crazy hot takes where people are oh trying yeah, to cancel? Yeah. Oh yeah. You can, you can look that up later. Um, he okay. just kind of says, uh, he can, I think he might end up being the governor of Alabama one day, but that is not what this podcast is about. <laughs> I would look forward, I, you know, since I live in Alabama, you know, I, I would welcome his reign. Um, I don't think he'd want the headache of having to do it. Plus he's, you know, he's got so much money. He can just do whatever. I think, look, we're just about to go far afield, but I'm pretty yeah, sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that Saudi backed uh, live golf is is high wants Charles Barkley and they're going to pay him like I don't know who knows what those money's no object to them so they may be paying him you know in solid gold bullion or whatever I don't know so anyway all right um so <laughs> good podcast good to talk to you. this has been this has been the local youth worker the local youth worker is a podcast <laughs> um uh kurt so i, I know Joe deegan right now <laughs> <laughs> um we're going to talk about missions today um part of the reason i'm asking you to do this is because you just got back from a mission trip but um and that's really part of it is is not only um i know we can can glean some wisdom from you kurt um but you are just getting back in the office and so Hopefully this will be something uh, easy for you to talk about. You, you don't have to prep uh, for this. Not that you ever prep for any podcast we ever do. Uh, I resent you. that. I resent that. I might have prepped one time. <laughs> I reserve um, the right to maybe prep. <laughs> uh, but Kurt, I, I do. I know you've mentioned it before on the podcast. Um, tell us about uh, this mission that you just uh, partnered with and uh, what they're doing. Is it Reynoso, Mexico? Isn't that correct? It's in Reynoso, Mexico. Okay. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about it. Well, one, where is Reynoso, Mexico? It is on the other side of Texas. Uh, it's on the Mexican side of the border from McAllen, Texas. So that's the sister city. It's, you know, El Paso and Juarez are further over to the West. And um, this is Reynoso and McAllen. The ministry that we partner with is called Isaiah 55. And uh, it was founded um, by two people from our church uh, here in Montgomery, uh, Kate and Knowlton Bill, although no one calls him Knowlton, they call him No-No. So Kate and No-No Bill, they founded this ministry and it began as uh, deaf education in this particular state, people might not know this, but the, the country of Mexico is the United States of Mexico. They have states just like we have states. Um, and this state uh, had no deaf education. Uh, if you were deaf and you grew up in this part of Mexico, you just didn't get educated. 
I don't know what you did, whatever your parents could do for you, which was probably not much because most parents don't know sign language, um, you know, off the bat. And uh, they began uh, a, a school for the deaf, which still uh, is it's, it's still in operation today. Uh, and it was so successful that the state funds it now and the school. Uh, and in addition to working with deaf children and teaching them, uh, you know, classic K through 12 education, they also have a trade school where they teach deaf, deaf uh, students how to become welders or carpenters or seamstresses or they teach them skills that many uh, that you don't necessarily need to have hearing in order to excel at those skills. Um, you know, so that is the ministry itself. They have, they bought some property and they have a ministry to a, a neighborhood in Renosa, um, a colonia as they're called. Uh, but this one is called Aquiles Cerdan. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing that. My Spanish is bad. It's muy mal. But, um, but, uh, it means very bad. Uh, yeah. To anyone out there. Thank you. <laughs> Hit the SAP button to get that. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, they have a ministry to that neighborhood. Now that neighborhood is in one of the worst parts of, I can't imagine a worse place for the neighborhood to be. Um, it's very close to the Rio Grande. You could probably, you know, um, it's not a, a stone's throw away, but it's close to a stone's throw away from the Rio Grande. But on each side of the neighborhood are two things you'd never want by your neighborhood. The first one is a three mile trash fire. The town dump is there. Um, and when we visit it, when we have to go and drop stuff off there, I've always said, this is what I imagine hell would be like, um, is there. So uh, it's, and which that's got some biblical basis because the word for hell Gehenna means like a trash basically means like a trash fire. So, um, but, uh, on the other side of the neighborhood is, uh, is the zone of no restriction, which is also sometimes called boys town. Um, and it's a place where all prostitution and drug use is legal. The cops don't regulate it there. So that's one side of your neighborhood and the other side is, you know, the town dump. And then now they've just added, they took all the Haitian refugees that have come over from Haiti and they've placed them um, on another side. I mean, and that they're not, you know, bad, you know, like those other two things. Um, but, you know, that's you know, when you're going to place refugees, you're not going to place them in the nice part of town. Right. So that tells you what kind of town it is. Well, Isaiah 55 has a ministry to that town and to the children of that neighborhood um, and to the families of that neighborhood. They're trying to um, reach those people for Christ. Uh, it's one of the places that you would definitely try to avoid. And they went there actively, which I think, you know, speaks to their mission. And we, you know, we try to go regularly and help them with their mission, both at the school and with um, that neighborhood. Yeah. Curtin, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, okay, and you're taking students into the midst of all of this. So do you get much pushback from parents or just concern from the parents of you're taking my kids here? Um, talk a little bit about that. Sure. We have parents who won't let their kids go. Um, the big fear 
in going there um, is that you might be kidnapped. Um, that's the big fear. Now, it's an unsubstantiated fear. Uh, the drug wars are not going on right now. Um, the car, there's, there's a, there's a, uh, there's kind of like a, a Pax Romana of the cartels at this point. It was really bad earlier um, in May, earlier in this century. It was the drug wars were really bad. But even even that, uh, what I try to remind parents, we could talk about the cartel for a second. And by no means am I going to do some apologies for all the horrible things the cartel does. At the same time, they're not really a threat to us. And the reason they're not a threat to us is multiple reasons. One, they are running a business. It's an illegal business, but they're running one. And the last thing that they want is for their business to be interrupted. Right? They don't want attention on themselves. And the biggest way to get attention on yourself and interrupt your business would be to kidnap a gringo right? Or a gringa, you know, like to kidnap a girl or a boy who's an American, because that's going to bring out every everything that you don't want when you're doing the things that they're doing. On top of that, the people in the cartel are, you know, are made in God's image. And they recognize, they can't help but recognize the good things Isaiah 55 has done. And I'll just tell you one quick story about that is that um, Isaiah 55 had some trash cans, and they got stolen, some nice trash cans, and they got stolen. And a uh, uh, a, a lower member of the cartel came to Isaiah 55 and said, did someone steal y'all's trash cans? And they said, yes. And so hours later, the trash cans were returned. The guy <laughs> brought the trash cans back and he said, no one will touch your trash cans anymore. That will right. not be an issue. Um, because even they recognize that what's happening with Isaiah 55 is good there. It's an, you know um, the they're recognizing that what's happening there is a good thing and uh, that they're helping people who other people would rather ignore. And so, you know, even though the cartels and uh, the federales, the federal um, military police, uh, even though they are, you know, um, trying to thwart each other in different ways, uh, everyone understands what's going on there. And I've been there um, six times now, and I've never once felt unsafe. In fact, I felt more unsafe in Montgomery and Tupelo and different places, the place in Birmingham or different places than I've ever felt in Renosa. So even though people do have those fears and, you know, we're not going to force people or guilt them into doing it. I, I just try to remind them, you know, you let your child drive on the interstate. It is inherently and infinitely more dangerous <laughs> than being in Renosa. Hmm. Um uh, but people can't, you know, it's foreign people. Sometimes people can't get past that. So yeah, well, sometimes we have some, some pushback. Well, let, let's dig into this just a little bit more and kind of get into maybe some logistics that can be helpful for people listening out there who are trying to plan mission trips, things like that. Do you have some kind of a parents meeting where you talk about these issues and say, Hey, look, I know you might be concerned, but this is really a non-issue. Um, talk to, talk to us a little bit about those meetings. One is that we never just take youth only on a trip. We always have. In, in fact, this last trip I went on, we had the fewest percentage of our, of our group was youth that we've ever done when I've gone. Um, and you know, we're always taking adults. We had the secretary of law enforcement of Alabama with us on this one. Um, he signs everybody's driver's licenses. And um, <laughs> uh, it was funny. His DEA friends were like, are you sure you want to go to Renosa? <laughs> um, and, he, uh, and then he's got me, the youth minister, being like, we'll be fine. <laughs> um, this is the guy's like, you know, 
knocked down doors and done drug raids. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but you know, we take adults with us. Um, we take a lot of adults with us and, uh, we're not, we obviously talk about supervision and the people who work for Isaiah 55 live there, right? They either live in McAllen or they live in Renosa and they cross the border every day and they are, uh, there all the time. So they understand, um, and they, have policies and practices in place to maximize our safety and minimize our exposure to any risk that there might be. Now, of course, there's always risk, right? You know, there's all there's risk anywhere that you would go. But but uh, we do talk a lot about that. We talk about safety, about and and there are things that we do practices that are put in place while we're there in order to make sure um, to limit our exposure. Um, in a lot of ways, you know, we don't just ride out into town, you know, we, we tell people, we restrict what people can wear, um, on the trip. Uh, we, uh, you know, they're not allowed their cell phones. Um, they have, we have very, even the adults have very limited access to our cell phones. Um, normally we just don't have them at all. Um, they take them up. There's a lot of things they do to make sure that um that we are not exposed and i'm making it sound more dangerous than it is again i've been six times and they work you hard but you know you do hard work but i've never once been like oh man this is dangerous well and that's something i wanted to ask you about too what kind of work are you guys doing when you go down there what specifically are you doing also kind of along with that um are you learning sign language do you have classes before you leave things like that okay well um it helps to know spanish but you don't have to. Um, you do not learn any sign language beforehand because you might not know this, but if you know sign language in English, you don't know it in Spanish. And when you I think did about it for a know second, that, and I can't yeah. remember if you're the one who told me that before, but yes. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because the word the like the sign for water in English, in, a, in ESL, in English sign language is a W sign up to your mouth. Well, Water does not begin with the W in Spanish. It begins with an A because it's agua. So it's a completely different language. So um, <laughs> that's not how you make an A, John. They, um, <laughs> uh, this is not a visual medium, but I really regret that people couldn't see that one. Um, so, uh, so no. And typically when we go in the summer, school's not in. So we're not doing any direct. We do more neighborhood work when it involves the children. Um, and, uh, and they have people who, uh, who do most of the interaction with the deaf students or the deaf, the people in the deaf schools, they, you know, they, there, we always have to have a translator one way or another. Um, and even if you know, even if you think, you know, Spanish, you, you know, there's a difference between knowing it, you know, and then being down there and being completely immersed in it. Um, so, so yeah, we don't do that, but we do a wide variety of things, right? Um, this particular trip, and I've been six times, we've done a bunch of different things, but this particular trip, we were doing a lot of construction work, uh, laying concrete block, uh, mixing cement, uh, tarring roofs. Um, and uh, it was, uh, there was a, a, a home for disabled children that Isaiah 55 had found 
they needed some help. And so they outsourced some of their missions labor, some missionary, you know, short-term mission team labor to help these people expand their building so they could house more disabled children. Hmm. And this is a separate ministry from Isaiah 55. So we went out there and we did a lot of that. Uh, but we also uh, help run like VBSs or afternoon children's clubs um, they, they were teaching the little children in the neighborhood to put on a play of Little Red Riding, Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. And we helped build the set and set up the stage for that and then got to watch it. Um, they do art classes. So some of our more artistic and creative people sometimes come to help teach kids um, art. Um, and lots of people want to learn English there. And so lots of times they just want to come and interact with the gringos, um, right, with the Americans so they can work on their English uh, and, and be better at speaking uh, English. So, uh, so there's a lot of different things that we've done um, that I've, I've been a part of, uh, you know, it's it's a wide variety of things. You don't just have to go if you're ready to do manual labor, although they will absolutely do that um, if, if that's what you're capable of doing, if that's where your skill set is. But they have a lot of different things that they can they can do. Hmm. Uh, Kurt, what do you think? Um, like you're you said you've been six times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what is what are some of the biggest takeaways for your students um, mm. when, when they go, they visit this place? I mean, it could just be the shock factor of, oh, wow, the, where we live compared to where they live, mm. totally. you know, we're, we're spoiled rotten. You know, what are some of those kind of um, conversations you have after you or while you're there and after you leave as well from students? Now, I think a lot about this, obviously, and I could probably talk for a really long time. So I'm going to try to limit go, myself here. Go for it. But um, I mean, the first thing that happens that everyone who comes, whether they're an adult or a student um when they come they realize that this place is not a like well cared for place um there can be you know sewage in the streets and uh they don't have a lot of Isaiah 55 fixes most of the potholes in the neighborhood not the you know the government so um so like drainage when it rains it gets kind of crazy there um, so the first thing that most students, and this is fine as a first step, you wouldn't want it to end there, but most thing, most, the most common response to being there is I never realized how nice my life is, hmm. right? Um, how, how blessed I am and, and, you know, what I have and what, by, until I noticed what these people don't have. Um, so that, that's the first thing that they, that, that people realize, and that's fine for, as a first step, but we don't want to stay there um, because we don't take people on mission trips. So they'll be like, Ooh, so glad I'm rich and not poor. Um, <laughs> you know, that not exactly it. So, um, uh, but uh, one, another thing that people realize a really common thing going to Isaiah 55 is just how easy it is to be um, ostracized. Uh, and how hard it is to like, you know, when you think about deaf students, right? Like they, they, they don't have a language, many of them, if they haven't been to school and don't know sign language and how that sets them apart. And that's something that students really latch onto as well as like, 
um, oh, you know, it's really easy to set people aside if they can't keep up, you know, or if they don't, you know, and not just, you know, verbally, but also I mean, socially, physically, you know, emotionally, whatever it is. So that's something that a lot of students uh, will realize and, and maybe uh, verbalize um, as we're leaving or, or in the time when we come back is, is that. Um, and I'll go ahead and I'm going to use this as a, in a sermon at some point. I don't know when, but uh, this last time we took a trip, some of the students who'd never been took a trip to the dump to dump some stuff off. And uh, that was a really eye-opening experience for them because they just didn't, like I said, it's an awful place to go. Um, there are just random pigs rolling around, just eating the garbage. Um, half of it or a third of it is typically on fire. Um, but there are people there too, sifting through the garbage, looking for things. And there are children there playing in the dumpster. And they saw these kids playing in the dumpster. And when we came back, I was on a different work team. I was on the concrete team or the, the building team or whatever it was. Uh, we came back. This is another team that was telling us that. And you could just tell that they were a little shocked at how um, how stark that environment was. Um, but I told them, I said, and I've been to the dump several times. Um, I said, if you went and told those kids that were playing in the dump, I think they had water guns or something. And he was like, if you told them like, this is a dump, you shouldn't be here. They would probably say, no, no, this is where we live. This is why, why would you talk bad about it or whatever? And I said, if you told them about a place like 30A <laughs> in Florida, <laughs> like Rosemary Beach, they would have no category for it. They would just say, uh, they, they wouldn't know how to just, you know, they wouldn't even know what to do with that, right? More than likely, because all they've ever known is this neighborhood that is, you know, neglected to say the least. I said, and they would probably wouldn't believe you. And they would probably, if you invited them, you probably, they would probably like, no, that doesn't, I'm going to be fine right here. Um, and I said, I told my students, I was like, what if we're actually living in a dump? I said, what if Rosemary and sorority rush and fraternity rush and, you know, all these things that we're doing, what if, what if we're actually in a dump, but it's the only thing that we know. And so we think it's awesome. And what Jesus is inviting us to is greater than that, but we're just like, mm, can't be, can't be real. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a valuable lesson that a lot of our students learn is that, uh, that's the next step in, wow, these people don't have a lot, is that like the next thing they realize is, is they don't have a lot and they seem in many ways happier than our students or more content. Um, and our students see that. I see it. And they, you know, they start to recognize the next step in that in that maturation process is to say, oh, maybe things are not going to make me happy. Maybe there's something else that I need. And I guess the last thing I'll say, and I know I've been talking for a long time, so no, I apologize, you're, you're but, no. but, you know, this is, I, I don't want to say it's trite. That's the thing I run into a lot as a youth ministers, because my congregation changes every six years. I get worried about repeating myself, but I'm not really repeating myself because it's a brand new audience. But, you know, you weren't made to be served. You were made to serve. Um, and a lot of our existence, my existence is spent trying to get served instead of trying to serve. 
But I think what people realize when they come away from these trips and while we do mission trips is that you get into um, you might get to see yourself for how you really are and see Jesus for who he really is and see what you were really meant to be if you spend some time living for someone else besides yourself. And uh, and that you can take that and you can apply that, you know, at school, in your neighborhood, on your sports teams, wherever it is. So that's another reason why we do it. I, I love taking, obviously, we've done six of them, I, you know, and that's not even, I've done those six. We've gone to other places too. So, uh, but I, that's what I love about mission trips and why we take students on them. I think they're really valuable. Mm-hmm. And that, that's something I want to come back to before I forget though, Kurt. What, what would you say is the hardest part of this specific mission trip? Um, it doesn't even have to be going there and doing doing the work. I mean, it can be just getting teenagers together and making sure, you know, everyone keeps up with their plane tickets, whatever. Um, what, what is kind of that as you think about the, the trip as a whole um, from, you know, loading up in Montgomery, arriving, doing the work, coming back home? What, what's the biggest challenge for you? Well, <laughs> this time, this is the first time it's ever happened that something like this has happened to me. But <laughs> This time I had a heat stroke at this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> After being on the roof, we had to drive back and the air conditioner in the van that we were driving back in went out uh, and I yeah. just began to sweat. And I was just, you know, I, I don't know how much of this the listeners really want to hear, but I just got back when I was trying to make it to the mission and we got almost pulled in and I just jumped out of the car and in front of the whole team, anytime you can do this, you really would love to do it. Is I just like, puked my guts out for maybe 10 minutes. Um, oh my goodness. It was really tough. Um, I was very hydrated, but I lost all that. Um, <laughs> cause I just got too hot, I guess. And, um, and, uh, yeah, that was, a uh, that was not fun. Um, but, uh, you know, that you are going to work hard and <laughs> you're going to sweat and you're going to, you know, that, that can be a hard thing for some people. And we've had people that, you know, that's the first time it's ever happened to me, but we've had people, you know, really kind of overexert themselves and that can be really hard. Um, but I think the logistics side is never, that, that can be tough. You can have flight delays. You can, you know, getting over the border has never been an issue or getting back over has never been an issue for us. But um, I think the, the hardest thing is it's is convincing students that instead of taking spring break or taking summer to do something that they want to do to come and to do something that they know is not going to be a vacation and is going to be hard. And it's hard, it's hard, you know, it's a harder sell going to RYM is an easier sell than going to Reynosa, Mexico. Um, and for a lot of reasons. So that, I think that's one of the things, but the funny thing is, is that when you take them and they go, then the easiest thing to do is to get them to go back. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it repeat, they have a lot of repeat customers at Isaiah 55. And we, there's one girl who's an intern for me, was an intern for me this summer. And she's been every single time that I've been, we've been, so we, I have to ask her to remind me, but we've been six times. Um, hmm. And you know, she went the first time and she was like, I'm in. And we've had a lot of people who, who do that, who go, you know, two, three times to Renosa because they really, they really bought into what they were doing 
and what it was doing to them as well. And, you know, it's like a trite thing to say is that you get more out of a mission trip than the people that you're trying to help, but really it's true in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Kurt, look, I know what we're wrapping this up, but you were uh, talking just a minute ago about the the important aspect of the trip is, you know, teaching your, your students, um, the importance of, of service. Um, I, I'd love to talk a little bit about, uh, as I've heard another friend say, just kind of the educational aspect of a mission trip. Um, how do you try to, you know, talk through debrief from the day? Do you do it every day? Do y'all have like small group time where you talk about it? Is it kind of on the, when you get back home, you, you have a time where you talk about it? Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So we have, um, now again, I, I'd say typically the way that it would work is that after, um, after dinner and everyone has had a chance to kind of shower and we've, we've done all the dishes and um, whoever's on dish crew that day has done their dishes and we were set up. Then we meet out, we meet up outside under this thing and we have some time where we talk about what our favorite thing, our high and our low, our rose and our thorn or whatever you want to call it. So we talk about that. And then I, I have like a devotional guide that I've put together, stolen from lots of different people And it has like 10 lessons and I'll choose one of those lessons and we'll just try to take that lesson and apply it um, where I ask a lot of questions. And, you know, we've got a group of, you know, it can be as big as 50 people, but most of the time it's like between 15 and, you know, 30, somewhere in there. And I think we had 25 or 27 people this time. So we're sitting in a group and we just kind of, you know, share a little bit about um, how we, uh, how our perceptions are being changed. And, um, and we sing, we bring the song books from fellowship, what we do and for high school on Sunday nights. And I usually bring a guitar and we sing and then, uh, and, and that's, you know, we kind of do that and we do that. We're supposed to do that every day now because I got sick this time. We didn't do it a couple, you know, we didn't do it that night. Obviously. <laughs> um, but for the most part, that's what we try to do. Um, is try to have some debrief time where people can kind of talk out like what they're going through spiritually, emotionally, um, you know, and sometimes those become emotional, although I do my best not to, you know, I, I was involved in too many, um, as a, as a young person, I was involved in too many of those retreats where they like try to make everyone cry on the last night. <laughs> um, the, uh, some people who grow up, you know, reformed, we'll never know. Um, <laughs> we'll never know the, the strain of like, everyone is crying, but you, and you're like, all right, I guess I have to cry. About something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there are a lot of tears shed actually at Renosa more than anywhere that we go, um, in anything that we do. Um, and you know, people just for a lot of different reasons that happens, but yeah, we have some time, some, some time every day. Uh, and then usually we try to get the team back together once we're back at home one time, just to kind of talk about what we, what maybe we've thought about since we've been back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Kurt, look, uh, thanks for taking your group to go do that, that kind of work. Um, it's awesome to hear and to think about just the, the fruit that can come from that, um, not only through that specific uh, mission, but also uh, the students' lives and um, those that they uh, get to encounter while they're there. Um, and thanks just for taking the time to come on today and, and share this this work with us, Kurt. Appreciate it. Yeah, and listen, if you're a youth minister and you're listening to this, 
contact Isaiah 55. Um, I'm sure that, that you might not be able to get in with them in 2023, right? Like they might be full. I don't know. Uh, they, they, but, uh, any, uh, any youth minister or REF minister, if you're thinking about taking a group, I would, and especially if your group has never done missions before, they are going to help you figure that out. And so I just want to plug them if I can, I, I, you know, that I get nothing from that other than I think it's good. So this is just me giving you some free advice. Take it for what it's worth. You should take your group there. Hmm. No, that sounds great. Thanks a lot, Kurt. All right, John. <laughs>